You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in to The Scoop, the number one UNC football recruiting podcast. Brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com. All right, welcome into the Scoop Fresh episode. I'm your host, Ross Martin, joined by my co-host and uh, recruiting football guru, Don Callahan. What's going on, Don? Not too much. It's busy times. Transfer portal, the uh, the end of the class, really, with Sunday Day, what, like almost a week away, and um, all the other craziness. The <laughs> portal has really been, been what's kept me busy a lot. But official visitors past weekend, Shrine Bowl, we have announcements coming up. It's It's been nuts. Yeah, all business, Don, here off the top. You know, no pleasantries, no how are you, no asking about anything right into how, business. How is Ross? How is Ross? Because you're doing basketball stuff mostly, I would imagine. Yeah, basketball and trying to figure out offensive coordinator stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, busy time. So Don's been in the Shrine Bowl. We got uh, National Sign Day coming up a week from today. We're recording this on Wednesday, early afternoon. Uh, next Wednesday is National Tuesday. Sign Day. Tuesday. That's right. We're recording this Tuesday. Uh, so eight days from now is National Sign Day. This will drop on Wednesday, I think is what I meant. Um, gotcha. And there's yeah transfer portal stuff, coaching changes, all that good stuff. So this is the show. It's actually a pretty big show. We haven't done one in, in, a, in a couple of weeks. So we're going to get into talking a little about Phil Longo um, and, and his decision to leave UNC for Wisconsin. We'll then go into the decommitments um, that UNC has, uh, I guess, suffered over the last uh, couple of weeks, month. Uh, Rico Walker, Joshua Horton, and Kavion Keys. We'll then get into the developments um, and visits surrounding the 2023 class as UNC looks to um, close up the, the 2023 sign class. We'll then do a quick National Sign Day preview, whatever that entails, um, to get y'all set for National Sign Day a week from Wednesday. And then we're going to do some superlatives, which is kind of my contribution to the National Sign Day show, uh, of which I will not be a part of. All right, um, let's get into it. First, I mean, the news uh, you know, broke last couple days, and finally today, that, that Mike Leach, uh, yeah. the famed head coach at Texas Tech, at Washington State and been at Mississippi State for the last couple of years, passed away uh, from from heart complications. I mean, we're both kind of big into college football. I, I would think you and me, Don, watched it for um, decades now, and he's been a character, um, one of the most famous head coaches, one of the the, the kind of funniest and oddest head coaches. Uh, I love watching. I mean, he is. I would love to have covered him, and yeah. he, he is just. He's been. He's such a unique personality. 
your thoughts on um, Mike Leach and what he means for college football, what he meant to you and all that good, all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was completely shocking um, with how it went down and all that. And, and um, but like, you know, like you said, I mean, he, I was definitely a big Mike Leach fan. I think, didn't you borrow my book, Never Return? Did you read it? Swing My Sword or whatever? I don't think I ever borrowed that. I think I borrowed the Cowboys one. Okay. All right. Well, um, if you have not read that book, I, I recommend that because uh, his personality is definitely in that book. Great book. Um, definitely one of the coaches I, I, I read up on a bunch just because he took such an untraditional path to become a head coach and develop this offense that really is throughout football, NFL, everything. There's a lot of his concepts are, are throughout the game. Um, you know, Phil Longo, who we'll get into a little bit more, you know, he, he basically credits Mike Leach for his rise. You know, he spent a lot of time with Leach, loved his offense, loved the concept with that, brought that, brought the basis of it to North Carolina. Um, yeah. And as from a personality, I mean, you just don't, I, I don't think there's anyone else in the college football game that's on that level, just being so um, different than everyone else and, and not giving you the, the traditional coach speak. There's tons of stuff on Twitter and YouTube that you can kind of pull up just, you know, giving advice on, on getting married and um, how, how you should drink your coffee and all this other stuff. It, it's just, it's great. And it's, it's actually, you watch it now it's sad and you kind of wish that you would have, or at least I wish I would have paid attention even more than I already did. Um, you know, it, it's, it's so unfortunate and uh, you know, we definitely lost a, a great coach. Yeah. Um, the big thing was the um, air raid offense, which Mike yeah. Leach kind of started with the Kentucky head coach. Um, Hal Mummy. Hal Mummy. And Greg has detailed kind of that path and, and how Longo, um, UNC, former UNC offensive coordinator Phil Longo, um, you know, used that as a basis for his offense. The Mike Leach coaching tree involves tons of, of very well-known um College uh, coaches, assistant coaches, Dave Aranda at Baylor, Neil Brown at West Virginia, uh, Sonny Dykes at TCU, Josh Heupel at Tennessee, um, played quarterback under Leach at Oklahoma, when, that one year at Oklahoma when Josh Heupel was unbelievable. Dana Holgerson, who was the um, West Virginia coach, is now the Houston head coach. Cliff Klingsbury, uh, Arizona Cardinals head coach, played for Leach at Texas Tech. Seth Luttrell mm -hmm. uh, played quarterback i think he played running back under leach in oklahoma yeah he's a running back yeah i'm reading here um and he served as running backs coach at texas tech for four seasons when leach was there lincoln riley head coach at usc mm -hmm. i think garrett riley also um played for and coached under no just played under um for for two seasons uh at, at texas tech under mike leach so there's tons of big names ken wilson uh, the new offense coordinator at, at NC State, Robert Anai, uh, Alex Grinch, Brandon Jones, um, Wes Welker, all these guys. So he's got one of the most influential coaching trees because of his air raid offense, um, passing the ball tons, the, the four verticals, power run game, all that good stuff came from Mike Leach. And I, I mean, I've always watched videos of his. His his advice for dating, I think it was on some <laughs> random radio show in Texas Tech, his advice for uh, like a first date, marriage advice like you mentioned. Um, you know, which mascots would win if they got enough a battle <laughs> the Pac-12 was an interesting one. If you go on Twitter and search his name, you'll see all the, the videos of him talking 
I mean, of all, you know, college football is known for just boring personalities, you know? Yes. Uh, coach speak. You look at Dave Dorham. All <laughs> these other just very, very boring coaches. And Mike Leach was the exact opposite. Would go off tangent, off topic um, yeah. with tons of different um, things. So, you know, it's just sad. He died too young, 61 years old. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. I'm sure I could talk about this forever, um, but I'm sure our listeners uh, do not want to hear that forever. But uh, yeah, it's just it's sad. And, and just so much about him is just so incredible. Um, you know, just his approach to the game was so different than all the other coaches. He's a guy who who would come in late. Um, you know, there's a lot of different things that he did that that other coaches don't do. Um, you just kind of went up went against a lot of the common um, approaches to being a coach at college football. So, yeah, there you go. So sad. Um, it's just, it's also, I mean, just, you know, stepping away, it's just crazy time. Also you know, Mississippi state now. Yeah. SEC school losing mm-hmm. their head. Co- can you imagine losing a, a co- standing head coach, sitting head coach, you know, yeah. Wake Forest, um, Wake Forest basketball had the same situation when their coach died. Um, yeah. I forget his name. Jesus. Um, whoa, something just happened. Yeah, don't ask me. Um, Wake Forest basketball because people are yelling at their screens now, now, right now. Um, uh, I'll, I'll think of it. Um, but yeah, uh, he's great. I mean, like, you recruiting transfer portal, all this stuff's going on right now, and your head yeah. dies. So, yeah. all right, let's move on. Um, yes, well, the connection. For UNC is Phil Longo, who I know yeah. is the next topic. Yes. Know. So last Wednesday, kind of late afternoon, early evening, the news broke. Uh, Bruce Feldman, Phil Longo leaving UNC for Wisconsin. You know, we had the article ready. We didn't know where, but there had been so many rumors of him interviewing other places that we had yeah. the article ready um, and got it out. And then shortly after, we do an emergency podcast. And offensive line coach Jack Bicknell announced he's going to follow Longo there. Your initial thoughts on the move, uh, Longo, to Wisconsin, leaving UNC without offense coordinator? Just in general, uh, you know, it's 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 a quite interesting move to go to Wisconsin, considering their um, their history and and the offenses that they have traditionally um, employed. Um, this is obviously very different than that. Um, but from a recruiting standpoint, because all the all the football stuff from UNC, I'm sure, has been covered at nauseum by you, Tommy, Greg, Buck, so on and so forth. From a recruiting standpoint, you know, I don't know if it's going to have a much of an impact. Well, all right, I should say, we'll we'll know the impact based off of who Mac Brown hires to replace him, because I think that's where you kind of see the impact. Because I mean, coaching changes happen all the time. This is just something. That's that's part of the game, um, but uh, who they bring in, what level of recruiter is this person? What sort of system do they bring in? I imagine some something similar to what Longo ran, um, but I don't know that to be to be um, the case 100. percent But you know, as a recruiter, Longo was um, above average when it comes to activity as a coordinator. You know, typically coordinators don't do a whole lot of recruiting. They're not on staff for that purpose. They're on staff because of their, their offense or their defense. Uh, but he, um, he had territories in state, you know, the, uh, the foresight area, which included Winston-Salem, um, some of the other counties surrounding there. So, you know, he was involved with a lot of those guys. 
um, you know, you know, Kernersville, which meant Rod Rod Dilworth, who just recently trans uh, transferred out. Um, Javari Ritzy, he was heavily involved there. Had good relationships relationships with those guys. Um, so, in addition to that, um, like any other quarterback coach, he heavily recruited the quarterbacks. Uh, that's that probably means that we it's impossible to kind of um, project who UNC will sign at quarterback for the 2024 class just because it's, it's probably the only guy UNC was really had, a, had a great chance with at the moment was um, maybe uh Metter who, uh, you know, kid from Texas. You got to imagine whoever UNC brings in is probably has relationships with guys. That he's cur- currently recruiting at his current school or is just going to strike up new ones. So, um, so yeah, so I think it remains to be seen just where, how, how this affects North Carolina's recruiting. Yes, yeah, so the recruiting angle there, um, the quarterback. So, Metter is 2024, right? Yes. Okay. So, that was the main guy. And, and t- I probably should mention Tad Hudson. Talked to him. He has the flu, so we didn't talk too much. Talked to him last re- week, shortly after it was announced. He says he's good. I I never really thought that, that any there was any question what Tad would do. He, I would – I immediately assumed he was stick with North Carolina. That's going to be the case. So the focus now is just how this affects classes beyond this current class. Yeah. And the big thing is here is that he was a really good um, offensive coordinator and very prolific and explosive. And that affected recruiting because players wanted to play for him. Um, You know, once uh, Drake may saw what Sam Howe was doing at Carolina uh, in that offense, it it enticed him to sign with UNC or, or flip his recruitment from Alabama. Um, you know, he was the lead recruiter on Jacoby Criswell, who's in the transfer mm-hmm. portal and has, has since committed to Arkansas and Connor Harrell. So, I mean, it's all about the offense, the passing attack, the quarterback. That That's the main um, situation there. Yep. I actually, I actually felt like, I mean, obviously he had a good reputation before, but I felt like with this past season, I was really curious the impact it was going to have going forward just because it just seemed like, he took it to a different level as far as the production, you know, a brand new quarterback, mm-hmm. you know, redshirt freshman and having, you know, that sort of success. So I thought it was going to have major impact for um, the at the quarterback position for the 2024 and 2025 classes. Obviously we're not going to see that now because he's headed to uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, seeing what Drake may did, got to the national stage, you know, became a Heisman candidate. That's going to, is poised to be a NFL draft pick. That's going to attract a lot of attention quarterback wise. Um, you know, you always felt the quarterback position was in good hands with Phil Longo and the yeah. offense there. And to, to add to that point, he, he showed the um, productiveness and, and effectiveness of the offense over two different quarterbacks. So it kind of, it worked not just with Sam, but also with Drake. So it was a kind of a plug and play situation with different running backs, different wide receivers, different quarterback over four seasons. Yeah, Greg wrote or Greg said, I think, on the podcast with the round table. I think he joined late on that one or joined as as a second part of that. I mean, Greg wrote he's arguably the best offensive coordinator in UNC uh football history. So, mm. I mean, he has two of the most, I think two I mean, of the I, two of the best seasons. Um statistically. I can't think of anyone I can't think of anyone who's better, but Greg, mm-hmm. you know, Greg has uh, way more knowledge in, in his head alone about that stuff than I would. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, this 2020 season with the two running backs, Javante uh, and Michael, Javante Williams and Michael Carter, Yami Brown, Daz Newsome, Sam Howell, and I think this year with with mm. Drake May and and um and Josh Downs. So, great. Well, yeah, and I mean, he was uh, he was a great guy. Covered him for four seasons. Um, had a little bit of a relationship with him. You know, he was a good dude. I I uh, is a good dude. Um, you know, despite what people think or the, the flat top, the cowboy boots. Like he was a good guy, family man. Um, you know, these coaches don't have to text and deal with, with guys like me. And so when one does, when a couple do, you know, they're going out of their way to do that. And so, um, I'll always have a little relationship with, with Longo there. Anything else? Yeah. Ready to get into, uh, the nitty gritty. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm interested to see how he does at Wisconsin. Cause you can't, you got to recruit yeah, different, differently there. You, you can't, you know, the great head coach he had a relationship with fickle, um, you know, I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna have any problem because you look at like, like, and I know it's not Wisconsin, but it's it's Midwest. It's kind of it's kind of that that region. You know, the MAC schools. Mm-hmm. They they get good quarterbacks. They get great receivers. They put up big passing numbers. I, I, you know, and I understand that's MAC compared to the Big Ten, but I'm just talking about finding those sort of recruits. I think it's possible. Yeah, yeah, I think. I think you'll have success there. I just think it's a little bit hard, a little bit different and, and harder to recruit certain types of athletes there. I mean, there's not a lot of people coming out of Wisconsin. No. In, in that area, you know, you're going to have to go get people out of Texas and yeah. And Ohio and, and the highly populated States with a lot of athletes to run yeah, that offense. No. Cause they traditionally run that offensive line based, what power run. Yeah. You know, get a get a couple good, they had great running backs, you know, a couple of highs and winners. Yep. And um, so now it's, um, well, it's, it's almost, it almost kind of feels like you remember now this is going back, but when Nebraska, you know, constantly ran you know, the triple option and all of a sudden went to the West Coast offense with Bill Callahan. That's almost kind of what it feels like a little bit. That didn't really end well in Wisconsin you know, and Tennessee has kind of been, you know, in a tailspin ever since. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's move on. Um, let's first just go ahead and get uh, let's talk about Johnny T-shirt and Johnny T-shirt dot com, the sponsor for this show it's christmas time i mean you got a week and a half now to get your christmas shopping done uh head over to johnny t-shirt on franklin street or online johnny t-shirt.com and get what you need for your family i need to go over there and get something for my niece um maybe a little stuffed animal or something like that so i will be going to johnny t-shirt to, to do my some of my christmas shopping remember all inside carolina premium subscribers get 10 percent off Go to the message board, just get that code. Join Inside Carolina. It's a great time with all the scoops coming in with recruiting and, and coaching searches. Uh, Johnny T-shirt and Johnny T-shirt.com. Inside Carolina's loyal sponsor, independent businesses, support them, locally owned, great customer service. Johnny T-shirt and Johnny T-shirt.com. Couple of national ads. We'll be right back with more of the Scoop podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. 
For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back with the scoop. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. To this podcast, you can see our faces on YouTube. Subscribe to Insight Counter's YouTube page. Rate, review, uh, and subscribe to where we get your podcast. Don, what's going on? Not much. Just ready to get into uh, more recruiting stuff. There you go. Decommitments. Uh, we talked about Rico Walker on the last podcast, so that's been in the new. That's been uh, happened what, three or four weeks ago. Rico mm-hmm. Walker left the class. So no need to dwell on that. More recently, Joshua Horton, the defensive tackle out of georgia decommitted and then uh just last or late last week Kavion keys decommitted let's start with joshua horton uh just what happened there uh and what's it mean for unc's class yes yeah, so um try it try to tread delicately with this um you know the word the word on the streets is that um <laughs> there you know there was some nil situations involved that what do you, what do you used to him. used to call it what magic dust the fairy dust yeah yeah he got some of that south beach fairy dust sprinkled on him and and he's committed to the hurricanes you know um he the the well i guess it's not ironic but um he attended i don't know if it was the nc state game or the georgia tech game um he attended and from there it just kind of went south i remember talking to him literally and yeah uh yeah literally south um we, we were supposed to talk afterwards and he, he he he's always been really good anytime we we, were, we talk he's a kid I, I would text with and all that sort of stuff and no problems and then he just kind of went silent on me mm. in the past um that has happened to me and it's always not been a great sign for North Carolina because there have been recruits who kind of associate me with inside with, with UNC, even though I'm completely separate and just cover the university. And, uh, but that's always kind of like a red flag for me. Not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily mean something bad, but in this situation, it definitely did. Yeah. And no so, one, no uh, one goes sound on you. Well, I don't know about that. You're the, you're yeah. the canary. I'm saying like, that's bad news bears that you're the canary in the coal mine. Yeah, they go, well, they you never know. On, they go sound on Don, you know, it's bad news for the recruitment. Well, there there have been times where kids, you know, the phones are broken or they get the, you know, I've, there's, been a, there's been a commit who actually has phone taken away as a, as a punishment. Um, so those situations do happen. So you never want to jump to conclusions. But, um, when, you know, it, it, it can be a, a red flag that needs to be looked into. And, you know, when I looked into it, I found out, you know, we, we reported this about a week before it actually happened. Because it was basically done at that point, but um, yeah, so he he flipped to Miami. Okay, what does it mean for UNC's class? He all right. So let's go actually get, get some basics here. Um, six four two eighty five. 
you know, a, a high three-star kid, nationally ranked 486 in the nation, number 54 defensive tackle. You know, he was one of um, multiple defensive lineman commitments leaving UNC with, I believe, just one kind of interior guy, right? Yeah, so for North Carolina, this if, – if we kind of go back to coming out of June with all, the, all those official visits, UNC started kind of – stop recruiting a lot of guys mainly because they were they were happy at defensive line and um with who they had committed or who they were anticipating committing by the summer horton who initially wasn't expected to commit over the summer was a guy they kind of kept on just because they felt like you know hey he's a good player uh we're good at d-line but we're not going to turn this kid down we think he's a good enough player so um and the the expectation at that time was that he probably was going to go somewhere else. So it wasn't going to be that big of a deal. Anyway, um, he really liked his official visit to UNC. I mean, heading into it, UNC wasn't a factor going out of it. North Carolina was the team to beat. And I think because, you know, right after those official visits, we had the dead period. <coughs> Excuse me. Jesus. And I, my bad. Um, and um, yeah, and it just kind of, just marinated for a long time and he wanted to commit to UNC. So he was kind of like a bonus is what I'm, I'm basically saying to lose that bonus. Doesn't really hurt the class or hurt um, the roster from UNC's uh, perspective. Now that's unrelated to the transfer portal and what they're going to do with the transfer portal. Uh, or if, you know, and I always say if someone else elite becomes available and they want to add them to the class, it's always possible, but they aren't actively looking to um, add someone to replace him in this class. Great. Yeah. And the other guy being Joel Starlings out of Richmond, Virginia, six, five, three, ten, four star kid. Yeah. Yeah. Highly ranked three Oh seven in the nation. So he was the other interior defensive lineman. I always think they should sign more. You know what I think you always, you know, should sign a little bit more defensive lineman. Okay. Well, you don't, Uh, but you don't want to take a guy just to take a guy. Of course. Yeah. So they are not looking to sign anyone else on the defensive line in the, as a, as a incoming freshman. Um, they, they don't, they don't, they're not look, they aren't, because I want to be careful with this. Because in general, I mean, if, if a four star DB popped up, you know, they're not looking for DBs, they would, they would take them, you know, towards the end or, or in the next, uh, I'm saying, I'm saying, class. I'm saying defensive line. Yeah. So I'm just trying to say that they are not looking to fill that, that void. They don't view that as a void. If a elite guy came up, elite defense lineman came about, then yeah. they would add them, but they're not actively looking to recruit uh, or add. They're actually not act- actively, besides the two that we'll get into later on, they're not actively looking to fill certain roles. But, I mean, they're going to take a, a really good player if they're available. Hey, move your mic a little bit away from your mouth. Be good now. I think so. All right. Okay, great. Good analysis there. Good stuff from Don on Joshua Horton. You know, Al- uh, Auburn was also like kind of in the mix too. Um, yeah, that's why I, oh, I, I thought – I actually thought that that ultimately would be where he ended up, but. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the next guy, Kavion Keys. Now he has not committed anywhere else yet. No. Um, Kavion Keys committed to UNC in August. Um, and he decommitted from UNC on December 8th last week. This was a big time recruit. This was mm-hmm. um, the linebacker 6'3", 205 from Richmond. 316 in the nation, the number 24 ranked linebacker, a position of need for UNC. What happened there? Yeah, I mean, I think 
you look back at the situation, you look at what he said when he committed, you look at how he um, went about things, and clearly he wasn't 100% sold in North Carolina. When he committed, he said that he was going to take visits, you know, um, and that's that doesn't. I mean, he said, oh, you know, no other school can beat North Carolina, yada, yada. He did that in a bunch of interviews, but clearly that wasn't the case. Um, so I don't think he was ever sold on UNC. And I think ultimately, um, you know, the other schools were able to kind of gain ground on, on, on North Carolina and force the decommitment. I wouldn't surprise me. I don't know this to be fact. I'm not reporting this. It wouldn't surprise me. North Carolina got a little tired of, you know, the uncertainty and wanting to there, there is value in knowing what you have, what you're going to sign. And, and I wouldn't surprise me if that kind of factored in a little bit, but um, because he, you know, you're, you're constantly saying you're going to take all these visits. And so at some point you got to be like, Hey, look, we need to know if you're in or not. Or not. So, so yeah. So obviously he, um, he decommitted, uh, you know, Penn State, it's a big player in this Virginia Tech's involved also. Um, but uh, I think the school that seemed to, to make the most progress with him was uh, Penn State. Yeah, you see uh, three predictions for Penn State. Brian Doan, Steve Wolfong among them, two uh, scoop guests. Um, yeah, all right, KV on Keys. So, I mean, you look at the decommitments, just to wrap this up, Rico Walker was one of the highest-ranked guys they had at the edge, in-state guy, you know, high, uh, you know, a 215 in the nation. Stud edge rusher, Kavion Keys, one of the best linebackers in the class, or not one of the best, you know, top twenty-five linebacker, a high four-star, and then Joshua Horton, a high three-star. Sorry, Kavion Keys is not a high four-star, but is a solid four-star, and Joshua Horton, um, a high three-star. So you have three defensive commitments that decommitted from UNC. Now, does any of this have to do with kind of the issues on defense for UNC, instability, potential coaching? You know, not changes, but you know, just. There's a little, you know, uh, people are not happy with UNC's defense from the from the outside, uh, what Gene Chizik and that group has, have done last season. Yeah, I don't – I think if you look at all these – I mean, we touch on the, the Rico Walker situation. That's off the field. We mm-hmm. touched on the Horton stuff. That's NIL stuff. Um, you know, KV uh, on Keys clearly was wavering when he committed before the season started. So – it's I don't think you can't blame it on anything that happened during the football season or, or what's going on with the coaching staff. Does that help? Certainly it does not help. Yeah. But I don't think I, I don't think it's fair to blame any of that on on yeah. what happened with with those guys. Certainly not the primary reason um, being there is definitely bigger reasons why. But yeah, yeah, have, absolutely helped. OK, let's move on from that. Good little segment there, Don. Good job. All right. Um 2023 signing class. National Sign Day is next Wednesday, December 21st. We expect the letters of intent to roll in that morning um, and culminate with a press conference with Mac Brown um, sometime early afternoon. And UNC plays basketball that night in Charlotte. So a busy day for sure. Um, let's get into what is left for UNC in the 2023 class right now. Do you want to... So- Give the names and go in each one. Yeah, so so North Carolina right now is actively recruiting two offered guys, and okay. both of them officially visited this past weekend. That's uh, Michael Short, a linebacker out of Charlotte, Mallard Creek High School, to be specific, and Jordan Louie, a running back from um, Georgia, uh, Middle Creek, uh, Meadow Creek High School in, in Norcross. 
Um, both of them, like I said, official visit this past weekend. Uh, Short is announced yeah. on Thursday. Oh, well, sorry, yeah. Michael Short. Yeah. Okay. Michael Short. Good. Sorry. Let me let me uh pull up this profile here too. Sorry to cut you off. Sorry. Yeah. All right, Michael Short. Um, like Don said, out of Mallory Creek High School. Uh, six three two twenty. You know, not a high ranked kid. Um, probably just because he hasn't been a high profile recruit. Uh, one thousand seven hundred fifty six in the nation. Uh, but I did pull up his stats from a Don article. Um, he's had a great senior season, 124 tackles, 27 of those were tackles for a loss and 12 sacks, 10 QB pressures and two interceptions. And he scored two touchdowns. All right, Michael Short, visit UNC this past weekend. The floor is yours, Don. Yeah, so he's a guy who, as you mentioned, great senior season. It actually, um, in addition to North Carolina, he added uh, Wake Forest and Missouri towards the end of the season. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. It just kind of comes on. Um, he ended up only taking official visits to North Carolina and Wake Forest. In addition to the, the to the official visit he took to East Carolina back in June, which is where he was committed to until he decommitted just after his uh, Wake Forest official visit. So he's basically down to those two schools, Wake Forest and UNC. And as I mentioned, He's going to announce his decision on Thursday. We we ran a post um, UNC official visit story on him on Sunday or Mondays. Check that out. That gives you a good idea of just where his mindset is at. Okay, briefly, uh, his game, what he brings. Yeah, so a lot of people have compared him to Cedric Gray, and I think that's accurate. The, the, the difference is that in high school, Gray was mostly used as a wide receiver because his team needed offense. That was the main thing. Uh, so, so Gray is probably coming out of high school, much more athletic. Short is going to be a lot more polished just because he's played linebacker. Um, whereas Gray didn't play that position so much, but uh, you know, you don't, you don't get much better when it comes to competition with, with uh, Mellow Creek high schools, a schedule you know they play some um national teams out of south carolina they play the charlotte the best charlotte schools they went deep in the playoffs also they played uh huff high school twice this season and uh you know so he played against some great competition to put it up some great numbers and i think that's uh that's pretty telling this is a legit power five type prospect yeah i think so i don't i don't think this is much of a reach i think this is a kid who who didn't get a whole lot of t attention for whatever reason, uh, you know, for coming out of his junior season, had a great senior season, and, uh, you know, put up great numbers at a great school. There you go. All right. Uh, Michael Short announced, will announce his commitment. What time on um, – do you know what time on s Thursday? Ten tentatively 10 a.m. on Thursday. Okay. Kind of odd to commit to somewhere, decommit, and then hold up announcement. I, I don't know if I've seen that before. Well, uh, I mean, clearly ECU's out, but but it's it's down the Wake Forest, North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> All right, Jordan Louie, moving on. Uh, five eleven, two hundred five from uh, Meadow Creek High School in Norcross, Georgia. Um, you know, three star kid, six eighty eight in the nation, forty nine ranked linebacker, and you know had a huge um, senior season, fifteen hundred. Uh, 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns, 144 rushes. So he had a 10.8-yard average uh, yards per rush. 
Uh, he had 38 receptions for 640 yards and four more touchdowns. He was committed to West Virginia, right? Mm-hmm. And now yeah. is down to UNC, West Virginia, and Vanderbilt. Is that right? Yes. So he's another one who broke out during his senior season, although Coach Larry Porter actually was recruiting him. If you read some of our earlier scoops in the year, or actually our scoops during the during the uh, weekly scoops, that is, uh, during the spring, I mentioned him a couple of times because he was the guy that UNC really liked. And even though they weren't planning on taking a running back, they were considering making exception, taking this kid. They felt he was that good. In addition to North Carolina, Clemson, Georgia, and Florida State really liked his senior film. They brought him on campus um, a couple of times um, in, in the case of Georgia. And, and I think maybe Clemson only made it once, Florida State only once. And there was some thought at certain points that North Carolina wasn't going to get him just because either Georgia was going to offer or Clemson or, or, or Florida State. But they ultimately did not. Uh, you mentioned the, the decommitment stuff. Yeah, it's kind of hard to see him pick. Now, he's going to announce on National Signing Day, with, uh, the, the first day of the early signing period, which is December 21st. It's difficult to see him pick West Virginia. Um but, uh, you know, uh, Vanderbilt is involved also. He was also supposed to officially visit Kentucky this coming weekend, but he feels like he has enough information, doesn't need to take any more visits. So Kentucky's out of it too. So, But he's down to those uh, those three, and, and we'll find out on signing day. And coming off a UNC visit last weekend, right? Yes. So we have a, the update also on him. And uh, he read it to kind of get the idea of what he's thinking, but um, – you know, he, he has his mind made up already. Yeah. This, uh, for, for those who have covered and followed recruiting for a while, these are all the signs leading to a commitment to UNC. Well, comment, I mean, comment, Don. I, we'll just have to see. Yeah. You can't, you know, you visit and you cancel the other, other visits, say the right thing. My mind's made up. Um, <laughs> it's just funny because, like, UNC wasn't going after a running back. Like, you no. know, of all the positions of need, like, they need defensive backs, they need linebackers, they need, um, edge rushers, they they have a a packed um, running back room currently. But look, it doesn't hurt to get talent on there. Um, surprised that no running backs have, have entered the transfer portal. It's going to be a big-time room next year. Uh, we'll see how Larry Porter deals with that. Okay. Um, anything else on those two guys? Okay. Let's go to our National Signing Day preview. Let's just, I mean, I don't know how you want to handle this, Don, but Right now, UNC has 17 commitments. Uh, Michael Short is announcing Thursday. Jordan Louie is announcing on National Signing Day. If both those commit to UNC, not reporting that, just saying that, that'd bring it up to 19. Um, yes. You know, right now, the class is ranked number 26 in the nation, um, both in the overall rank and the composite rank. Um, it is will be the lowest ranked class for UNC since 2019, which was Mac Brown's first year. Uh, that class was ranked number 31. And there's a good chance that this class could even drop further, potentially, if if other schools jump them. Um, but, you know, not an, not an awful class at 26. You know, that's the Slayer Fedora range right there, but not the top 15 range that Mac has had the last three seasons. Um, Don, in general, you know, preview this class for National Signing Day. Yeah, I mean, it's – you, you kind of said it a lot. It, it is going to be Mac Brown's worst – full class that he's had. Um, but uh, I mean, I think there's, I still think there's some very good players in there. Um, and uh, 
Yeah, I mean, we have some superlatives. I think that gives a better better uh, picture of what's what's going on. If you want to get into that. Yeah, I mean, see if there's anything else to say. Like, or if you had any other general questions about the class. Yeah, I don't know. This a lot of this class came together in the summer, right? Yes. Um, yes. So I mean, we haven't had that many commitments in the fall. Uh, I think the only commitments we have this fall has been the two flips from ECU, Aiden yeah. Duckinson and Ty and Adams. Ty Adams. Yep. And you know, if Michael Short commits, that'd be three ECU former commits um, mm-hmm. coming to uh, UNC. Um, a lot of Virginia. I mean, kind of looking at this, it had a lot of Virginia commitments. So I have a couple in Amari Campbell, uh, tight end Julian Randolph. Uh, Paul Billups, Nolan McConnell, uh, well, Joel Stallings. So dang, actually a lot of Virginia commitments. And, and then you, you yeah. lose um, KV on keys. It's got a strong North Carolina flavor as expected. Um, the rare Oklahoma commitment. And then it's going to have a couple of Georgia commits with Caleb Lavalli, La- uh, the linebacker, uh, Caleb Cost, um, the cornerback, and then Robert Grisby out of uh, North Cobb, Kennesaw, Georgia. And then Aiden Duckinson's from Georgia. And then the one South Carolina commitment is DJ Geth. Um, mm-hmm. Anything else? No, I think you covered it. Okay. I think you did a uh, good job. Right now, the plan is to do a three-hour live streaming National Signing Day show. It's going to be Tommy and Don on <laughs> Wednesday. Um, so have you had any conversations? Do you want to preview that at all? This will be your audience right here. Yeah, so- yeah. So um- – we're still working on the details on exactly how we're going to do certain things. A lot of things actually. So um, I don't have a whole lot to kind of give out, but yeah, it, it, we're going to, we're going to go from seven to 10. That's, that's the initial plan. That's when the letters of intent are going to be popping in. We'll talk about each guy. Um, it'll be very laid back sort of situation. Um, we have some different ideas that, um, some of them, I don't know if we're going to be employees or, or not. So I don't want to promise something like that we can't deliver. But I think it will be an enjoyable thing. It'll be live. So you can ask questions on um, YouTube or, or wherever. And uh, be very similar to what I guess what Tommy does at night as, as far as the live element to it. Yeah. So that, that'll, you'll have a YouTube link. Um, that'll mm-hmm. be Wednesday starting around 7. Uh, and you'll be able to ask questions and get involved. So check that out. The live streaming show. National Sign Day show on Wednesday starting seven. Okay, so for my portion of the National Sign Day preview, whatever, I, I I always like to do superlatives with you, Don. It's a good okay. way for everybody to get to know the class. Um, you crank these out this morning, so let's get into it. I sent it to you before, yes. ten minutes before, so I cheated. Um, so at least you have a little bit of idea, so I don't pop. I look for the answers, and you can't name one player twice. Okay. That's tough because you know the best yeah, player. Yeah, no, I think I'm. I think I'm. I think. Um, well, but, all right. So, so there is. Well, let's talk through I, it. Yeah, we'll talk through it. Let's let's just let's roll. Okay, Sproto number one. The earliest to make a significant impact at UNC. Which player in the 2023 class? So I think this is going to surprise people. This selection, because I. I think what's it, hopefully those who gave me hell all this time last year about Andre Green and about um, Zach Rice learned that you need, you need, you need a bunch of things to start early. You need to have talent, but you also need opportunity and the opportunity wasn't there for those guys. Also, there's some injuries with, with Andre Green too. Um, so that's why those guys didn't see the field. I think 
the best opportunity is going to be defensive back, right? With with everybody that they're losing. We saw Will Hardy play as a true freshman this past season. I'm going to go with another Georgia DB to make the most impact in this class. I'm going to go Aiden Duncanson. Whoa. I think he has a, a ton of of talent. Um, what worries me a little bit in this selection is he can't enroll until the summer just because of the school he goes to. But um, neither could Will Hardy. And um, very similar, rangy guys, uh, raw guys, um, but um, just smart and just seems to just everything just comes natural. So I think um, Aiden Duncan could have some sort of role for North Carolina compared wow. to the other other guys. I did not see that coming. Um, interesting answer there. Yeah, maybe as a um, – you assume next year that it's going to be Will Hardy starting. Uh, is um, is Geo Biggers coming back? I mean, I think he still has a decision to make. Um, Cam Kelly's transferring, so I'm trying to think. I mean, Jacorius Conley could be a safety. Mm-hmm. So there is a spot there, though. All right, interesting. All right, and next one: Who out of this class is going to have the best UNC career? It's all said and done. We look back at this class: Who's going to have the best UNC career? So if you listen to me a lot, this is not going to be a surprise. Unlike the first answer, I'm going Chris Culver. Just spent a couple of days with him at the Shrine Bowl. I think the kid's a stud. I think even the Shrine Bowl, they're doing you know two hand touch and on a screenplay, put a great move on the DB and scored in two hand touch on, on a team drill. Um, you know his numbers in this past season were ridiculous. You know, obviously the opportunity isn't great for receivers just because of what North Carolina has coming back. And, you know, we just haven't seen a whole lot of true freshmen uh, contribute um, under um, Lonnie Galloway at, at the receiver position. So I don't expect a whole lot this coming season. But um, I think ultimately Culver is going to be an absolute stud for, for UNC. All right. Good work there. All right. The most likely first round draft pick. All right, who will so, be drafted the highest? So this is I'm going to go a little outside the box, and I'm going to say none of them. I, you know, you're looking at this. I don't. I think one of the reasons why this class is ranked so low is you don't have Zach Rice, you don't have Travis Shaw, you don't have these guys who have the body and the um the high school production that you look for to be a first a future first round pick. Maybe Chris Culver, but I've already used him already, so I can't use him again. So, so who's the most likely to get drafted the highest? Who Who's going to be drafted the highest? Somebody in this class I, I would, drafted. To me, I feel like Culver. Okay. You know, I mean, I guess you know, the, the highest ranked is uh, J. Brown Harvey, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I just, I don't know. I just feel like, and, and maybe I'm wrong on this, wouldn't be the first time, but, um, you know, and, and I, I could definitely see him being drafted, but I, I don't I don't I don't think he gets close to the first round as far as being drafted. Okay. All right. Who we got two left. No, we don't. We have four left. All right. There's a lot of edge rushers in this class. Who <laughs> is gonna be the sack leader? Who finishes their UNC career with the most sacks in, in this recruiting class? Yeah, so this was difficult because obviously you go Harvey, you go um Tyler Thompson. I I just lean with Harvey just because of uh, he didn't have a great senior season. His junior season was insane as far as um, you know his uh, his numbers, his um, sack numbers, 
at his high school, Southern Durham. So I expect him to eventually tap back into that for North Carolina. Okay. And the catch leader in this class, are you going to go Culver? Oh, I did. I did go twice with a guy. Yeah, I have Culver. I mean, I don't know, you know, it's kind of hard, you know, do I not put him there if, if you know, and he's got the best career because kind of part of it. Yeah. Okay. The best personality in this class who are, who are fans going to be drawn to who has kind of the biggest, best, most dynamic personality. Yeah. This was hard for me because there's a couple guys, there was no like Eric Ebron's where they're just, you know, big personalities, but a couple guys who I really did enjoy talking to. I'm going Caleb cost. You know, he, um, great kid to talk to always um all of his answers are always well thought out make us say this about a lot of different guys but i always enjoy talking to uh caleb cost okay the last one the easiest and best to cover um you know easily you could go caleb cost there but things by else that was kind of always answer your phone calls always had a text for you if you needed a quick quote um easiest to get in touch with um just made the made the recruiting process for you uh, Simos. Yeah. So there was a lot of guys really, I mean, there's a lot of guys in this, in this group that were, were, um, really easy to deal with costs, obviously, as you mentioned, um, uh, Joel Starlings, I was just texting with him earlier. Uh, Aiden Duncanson was awesome, um, too, but I already used Duncanson, the guy I'm going to go with and I'll give the story. Um, I did give it, I believe on the podcast already is Ty Adams. Ooh. You know, he, uh, he, you know, Always, anytime I needed something, he responded. He always, as soon as his official visit was scheduled, he texted me about it. You know, um, so the story I'll give is that, you know, he went on his official visit and the, um, that Saturday night texted me and said, I can't remember. I wish I, I, I'm sure I could find the text, but that wouldn't be great radio right now. But anyway, he basically told me he was going to commit the next day. Mm -hmm. So I said, all right, cool. Um, just let me know. And then he texts me the next morning. I mean, he's basically giving me a play by play. He's like, hey, I'm going to, you know, go and talk to, uh, to Mac and then I'll, then I'll talk to you. And so when he talked to me afterwards, he said, Hey, let's, let's just talk tonight at six and all that. So that's what we did. Um, he didn't commit at that moment. Uh, but, um, his initial plan was he's going to decommit first and then commit to North Carolina the next day. But I believe he did everything all at once, but, uh, but yeah, so so I mean, he he did a great job of. Um, I really appreciate just keep me completely in the loop all the time and always thinking about me whenever something changed with North Carolina. So that's why I picked Ty Adams. There you go, great answers. All right, Don, that about does it. What did you think of the show? Oh, it was a great show. One of our best. Okay, uh, who do you think they're going to hire for offense coordinator? I have no idea. I was hoping that you had an answer. Who do you think they're going to hire? I don't know, man. Very tight, very tight lipped. And I'm wondering if it comes if it comes the next couple of days or it comes after the bowl game. Yeah. Yeah, maybe after the bowl game, you kind of have more well, time to kind of reset and, and then get someone in, in there before spring practice starts. Well, they're in a good spot to where they don't – there's – other than, you know, all right, relatively speaking, there's not a huge rush. You know, you don't need to get one in because you have a quarterback commit or because, you know, whatever it may be. Um Mm -hmm. I mean, the way bowl games are, obviously North Carolina really needs a win, but it's not the end of the world that they lost a bowl game, you know? Yeah. And I'll, and they've already decided that the, that the offensive quarter is not going to coach in the bowl game. Yeah. So, yeah, there's really know. not a rush. Like, that's a good point. Um, You know, maybe wait until after 
Christmas, and holidays. after the holidays, and then New Year comes around, you just, there's, there's more time. And yeah, everybody, and everybody's can... kind of settled. And then, yeah. And then you have another signing day, another signing day period, too. So if they needed to bring in a, a couple other recruits or something, I don't know. Well, if you, and if you have two or three OCs that you really like, you can watch their bowl games. That could be another mm-hmm. audition. Well, and some of, the, some of the best corners out there are playing the college football playoff and bigger bowl games that you'd want. Yeah, it's true, too. Yeah. Uh, how about Lonnie Galloway calling the plays? Well, so he did that at Wake Forest, right? He's been involved. I don't know. He's been involved in play calling at, at, at Wake Forest and Louisville, I believe. But I'm not sure. I don't think he's actually been the OC. I might be wrong. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, he's he's been a coach forever. So he's been around it. And, you know, I imagine it, he's not going to have any problems mm-hmm. calling it. Yeah. So. yeah, so he was the um, co-offensive coordinator at Louisville. Okay. Before he came to Carolina, but sometimes that doesn't mean you call a place, right? Yeah, it's, it yeah. could be title. Yeah, but you may are so. definitely involved in, in in scheming with that. And then at Wake Forest for two seasons, he was the co-passing coordinator. Gotcha. Okay. All right, friend of the program, Lonnie Galloway. All right, let's get out of here. Thank you to uh, Johnny T-shirt, Johnny T-shirt.com. Thanks for listening, guys. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Check us out on YouTube. And this is our this is the major recruiting um, audience. Check out Don and Tommy on the live stream, National Sign Day live stream on Wednesday at 7. You'll be able to have a link. Uh, it'll be there on uh, Inside Carolina for sure to check that out. Uh, Don, any last words? Um, happy Sign Day. Happy Sign Day. Uh, Merry Christmas. We say Christmas, Merry Christmas here. All right. We'll see you. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.